Joshua chapter 1. Joshua <laughs> chapter 1 and verse 8. We're going to look at just four verses. One verse here in Joshua and three in the book of Psalms. And then I'm going to spend a little time talking about a few different people from the Bible. And then we're going to circle back and come back to Joshua chapter 1. So I want you to leave a marker here after we look at this verse. But look with me here at verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want to talk to you this morning about having good success. Good success, God's way. We wrongly get the idea sometimes that God doesn't want us to be successful. That God wants us to struggle or God wants us to uh, have the opposite of success, which is failure. But I want to talk to you this morning about how to have good success. But not the world's way. God's way. You, you, you know the world's way. We're all chasing that carrot, it seems, in our culture. But I want to talk about God's way. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us today? God, help me to preach right your truth. Lord, we just heard a, a one-minute testimony from a man who's with you who was a good success, who found success in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would desire good success your way. Lord, help us as we examine the subject today. God, would you empower me and bold me to preach your truth or right? God, would you use your word powerfully by your spirit in every heart? In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Would you put a marker there in Joshua and turn to the, book of Psalm, turn to the first psalm, Psalm 1. And I want you to see the first three verses with me. Blessed, in verse 1, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In Psalm 1, we see a picture of one who is blessed, one who has good success, God's way. Before we look at how to have good success, God's way, I want us to look at that contrast. And what is the contrast of success? The contrast is failure. Failure. This is going to be a little bit of an ego-busting sermon this morning. Uh, this is not a, uh, a favorite uh, truth uh, to the humanists in our world today. And by the way, when people ask me, uh, what is the predominant religion uh, where you pastor, folks from the U.S., you live in Canada, uh, Brother Rice, what's the predominant religion in Canada, in Edmonton? Uh, can I tell you what I tell them? Humanism. 
So, oh, no, pastor, it's this religion. No, 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 it's not. It's humanism. I've been here 17 years. I, I know for a fact, with no question about it, the number one religion in our city is humanism. The number one religion in our country is humanism. And I say this, the number one religion in our world, it's humanism. You know, we, we worship ourself. That, that's where the world is at today. This is not a sermon or a truth that goes with that trend. In other words, it's gonna, it, it, it bucks the cultural norm, and, I, and that's okay. You know, every part of society has, you know, award winner, man of the year, woman of the year, every at, the athlete of the year, the industry leader of the year. Uh, you know, you go to a state fair, you know, you have all the ribbon winners and all the different things. There's all those things for recognition of the world, for those, this is the most successful person in this, this is the most successful person in this aspect, this is the most successful businessman, all these things. But I want to talk to you about some people in the Bible that were not successes, rather they were failures. i read for you quickly Romans 3.10. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They are all, and that's an awful big word for three letters. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. And then, just in case you wondered, just in case you wondered what God's trying to tell you, God says, no, not one. Not one. They're together, the Bible says, become unprofitable. That means useless. How many of you ever had a light bulb burn out in your house? How many do we have right now? We have three light bulbs in our house burned out. Two in our bedroom, one in our kitchen. Uh, I got a, we got a, remind me, maybe one of these days I'll remember. Uh, I got some burned out light bulbs. Now, when I finally remember, probably the spring of 2024, and finally replace those light bulbs, and I, I remove a light bulb. Now, when I take it out of the socket to put the new one in, I'm not going to put that old burned-out bulb on the shelf for the mic and go, i got to keep this. No. I'll toss it in the trash can. I'll probably shatter it when I throw it in there so it takes up less space in the trash. I, it's useless. It doesn't serve a purpose. It's no good. It, it is completely unprofitable. Can I tell you that's what God says about man? By the way, I'm sorry if this offends you this morning. This isn't from Pastor Rice. This is from God. But God says that we are unprofitable. We're useless without him. That's what God says. There's nothing good. There's no redeeming quality. See, yeah, Pastor, but I have this. No, God says there's no redeeming quality. We're, we're useless. We're, if you'll let me say this this morning without hurting your feelings, we're, we're failures. We're failures. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, but we are all as unclean things. And our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's the good things about us. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to turn to a lot of Scripture here this morning, but I am gonna, I'm going to cover a lot of ground. So stay with me this morning. I want to get back. I want to circle the wagons back in just a little while. But I want to share with you a list of some failures in the Bible. 
Number one, the first man that ever lived, Adam. Adam, the man that God formed with his hands from the dust of the ground. The man that God would breathe into his lungs the breath of life and man would become a living soul. The man who was born, who was born without a sin nature. By the way, no one else has ever been born that way. No one else has ever come into the world. No other man has ever come, save Jesus Christ, without a sin nature. Adam, first man. Can I tell you that he failed in the temptation of life? Adam failed in the temptation of life. He, he was created. There, there's two aspects concerning Adam's choice. And by the way, we'll get to that in just a moment. The first is, you know, Adam is the one who sinned, by the way. We, we want to blame Eve. So it was Eve's fault. The only problem with that is that God doesn't blame Eve. God doesn't say, and Eve, sing past upon all men. No. Through Adam. Adam. Adam's fault. Buck fell right on his head. Adam was the failure. Do you know why there's mosquitoes, brother Ramon? Those nasty, vile vermin that suck my blood, it's all Adam's fault. You know why you got thorns on your roses, ladies? It's all Adam's fault. Some of you ladies like, Pastor, I just wish I had a rose. I don't care if there's thorns on it or not. It's all Adam's fault. Can I tell you why we have folks out sick today? Where did sickness come from? It's Adam's fault. Why do we have disease in our world today? That's a pretty bad failure. And we're talking about, as we say in our culture today, that's an epic fail. It doesn't get much worse than that. Adam was a failure. When it came time when Eve, who was beguiled, who was tricked by Satan. By the way, I believe a beautiful creature, that serpent, not the slithery, nasty snake that we fear today. I think he was probably the most beautiful of God's creation. God cursed him on his belly. He had to crawl afterwards, but... I believe in creation that most likely that creature, that serpent that beguiled Eve. Imagine if you're walking along and an animal starts talking to you. What would you think about that? I, I was hunting this week and I saw lots of animals. I, I saw about 300 deer. I saw four, five, six, seven, eight hundred antelope. Probably saw 100 coyotes. I, I saw some grouse. I got a picture with a Darren for you. I saw a grouse sitting up on top of some big round hay bales. I stopped. I said, I got to take a picture for Brother Darren. Uh, it wasn't in the ditch. He was up on top of the hay bales. I saw a lot of creatures, a lot of animals. Saw some foxes. Saw all kinds of, saw lots of cows. You're going to find this hard to believe. Do you know not one of those animals talked to me, Brother Ramon? I'm walking along. All of a sudden, there's a big mule deer. He didn't say, hey, how you doing today? Good to see you here. Hope you don't shoot me. No. Had that happened, Pastor Rice would be in the hospital because I'd had a heart attack. I mean, if my dog, sometimes I think he thinks he's human, but if my dog today, I get home and he, he puts his paws up on me and he says, hello, I'm glad you're home. 
I'll probably see Brother Troll in heaven because I'll die of a heart attack. That'd be pretty weird. That'd be real weird. Eve talked to that serpent. I believe most likely that serpent was a beautiful creature. Probably had, could speak. But he, she was tricked. She was beguiled. She, she gave to Adam, say, here, take this. Adam wasn't tricked. Adam wasn't beguiled. Adam made a logical choice. Adam saw that fruit before him, and he knew what it meant. He knew God said not to eat of it. He knew God said, in the day ye thereof, he shall surely die. And yet he chose his wife over God. Christian, we make a mistake when we choose anything over God's right. But Adam failed. Adam was an epic failure. Adam's choice to sin brought sin upon all man. Adam allowed himself and Eve to get into a position, by the way, of being tempted. If God said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... I wonder why Adam didn't say, hey, let's stay away from that part of the garden. Let's not go over there. How many of you have ever been on a diet before? How many of you, when you've been on a diet, you avoided going in Tim Hortons? Because you don't want to walk in there and see all those donuts and those uh, you know, ice caps that are probably 2,000 calories I know you don't want to hear that. I shouldn't have said that. I offended some of you more than the Bible offends you. And you stay away. Can't go there. I don't want to be tempted. But Eve didn't protect his wife. Eve was a, or Adam didn't protect his wife. He was a failure. He was the first man. He failed. Who was the second man that lived? How many know his name? Cain. We're talking the, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. The second man to live, Cain, surely after dad made such a tragic mistake, after dad failed so miserably, I'm sure Cain is going to succeed. But he didn't. Cain failed horribly. Cain failed in his relationship with his brother. Cain failed in his relationship with his God. Cain rejected the truth of God. Cain said what man says today. I don't have to follow God's way. I'll make my own way to God. That's what religion is, by the way. I hate religion. I hate it. <coughs> I don't care what flavor it is. Every religion of the world. I'm not, I know there's true religion, pure and undefiled. I'm not talking about God's definition of religion. I'm talking about man's definition. Man's <coughs> definition of religion is me doing something to make God happy so God will be pleased with me. Cain said, I, I'm going to be religious. I'm going to show God how good I am. I'm going to show him the fruits of the ground and say, hey, God, you look at me. Look how good I am. You accept me. Cain failed. By the way, he didn't fail because he didn't have an opportunity to succeed. 
Cain had been told by his father, no doubt, uh, how to worship the Lord, yet he, he rejected that. He rejected the truth of God. By the way, he grew up in a home with Abel, his brother Abel, who obeyed the Lord. Abel, <coughs> this morning, who brought a sacrifice pleasing to God to worship the Lord. But Cain failed. Cain pictures the flesh, Abel the spirit. Cain eventually would take a rock and kill his brother. In our world today, we look at the violence. We look at horrible things that happen. I think of the brother troll's life being lost. I think of horrible, tragic things that happen every day around our world. You know what we want to do? We want to blame the tool of violence. We want to be upset about guns. Gun, that's the reason Brother Troll died is because of guns. Can I tell you that Cain didn't go to a gun store and buy a gun and shoot his brother? All he had was a rock, and yet he was able to kill his brother. It's not the tool. Rather, it was Cain who failed it's amazing to me how perverse and how wicked and how horrible the heart of man in his perversion and how tragic the repercussions. But Cain failed miserably. Cain failed with his relationship with his brother. Cain failed in the worship of his God. Something unique in the Bible. The first man to be called by God his name was Abraham. Abraham. Abraham, the first man to be called by God. God called him out of the earth of the Chaldees. God called him to leave and come to a place that he would show him Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. He failed in trusting God. He failed in trusting the flesh rather than the spirit. God made him a great promise in Genesis 12, and I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great among thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. How could that be? How could that happen? Only one way. God had to give him a son. God had to give him an heir. Not just a child, but a son, specifically. Someday when... This life is over for me. Praise the Lord, it wasn't over on a mountain yesterday down on the Cypress Hills. I survived. But someday when this life is over for me, my name, the rice name, will be done. Abraham had no son. He had no heir. God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham said, but I have to have a son. God said, hey, I made a promise to you, Abraham. And God Promise God had a plan, and Abraham said, I got to help God out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but I wonder how many of us have tried to help God out. I have. Hey, God, hey, I think, I think you need some help, God. Uh, you, I know you want this to happen, so I'm going to finagle it. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to push it. Abraham tried. Tried to find the answer without God, and he failed. 
Abraham came into Hagar and had a son. By the way, that mistake is the reason Brother Troll is dead today. Abraham failed. If you really trace it back, that death would not have happened without Abraham's sin, his failure. Abraham chose the ways of flesh over the spirit. He failed. Christian, we do the same thing. We fail that way. Abraham's failure in trusting God completely brought tragic situation to case. Ishmael, a picture of the flesh instead of the spirit. Number four, the first man to lead God's people. The first man to be the leader of the nation of Israel. His name was Moses. Moses, a little baby whose mother had faith in God. He was supposed to be killed. She placed him and made him build an ark of reeds and put him in, in the rushes in the river. And she trusted God and said, Oh God, protect my little boy. Oh God, I don't want him to die. God, protect him. God, save his life. And God did. And God brought Pharaoh's daughter down to the river. Pharaoh's daughter would lift that little boy, Moses, out of the river and take, her, take him back to the palace to raise him as her own son. That little boy would eventually get to the point where he would say he would rather suffer affliction with his own people than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. That young boy would make a mistake. He would make a mistake early on at 40 years old and murdering a man. He would flee for 40 years. He would spend in the wilderness, in the desert. And God would lead him back as he spoke to him through the burning bush. And Moses would lead God's people with a mighty hand. God led them out of Egypt. God would part the Red Sea. God would bring them across on dry ground. God would feed them. God would keep their clothing and their shoes uh, together for 40 years. God fed them for 40 years. God gave them water for 40 years. Can I tell you that Moses, most likely, I believe, could be said one of the greatest humans that ever walked the earth, one of the greatest men that ever breathed breath, Moses. He led several million people for 40 years in a land, the wilderness. He cared for them. He fed them. He counseled them. He taught them. He made decisions for them. He bore an awesome responsibility. Moses, being human, though, allowed human thoughts to overrule the commandment of God. He didn't follow God's command exactly. God told Moses, Moses, speak to the rock. Moses, who had been so successful, and he disobeyed God, he smote the rock. Even Moses was a failure. Moses never went to the promised land. Moses had nothing more than a glimpse from Kadesh Barnea 
Nothing more than a glimpse. He never set foot. He never saw in person the land that flowed with milk and honey because of failure. He failed in his obedience to God. Partial obedience, by the way, Christian, get this statement. Partial obedience is disobedience. Parents, let me help you in the rearing of your children a little bit. I'm not a perfect father, never claimed to be, never will be. But let me help you parents. Let me help us to be better parents. Teach your children when they are young to obey. And don't accept partial obedience. Because partial obedience is disobedience. Moses was disobedient to God. The man who was God's choicest servant, we talked about him this morning in our adult Sunday school class. As I look at that passage that we read this morning, it breaks my heart to think about. But King David, King David, the young boy that God would anoint to be king, the young boy who would walk down into the valley of Elah when no man, not even King Saul, head and shoulders above all the men of Israel, had enough gumption to do. But a young boy would walk down in, not with sword and spear, but with the name of the Lord. King David was a failure. Nathan the prophet would point his finger in his face and say, Thou art the I know what you've done. God knows what you've done. David had a lot of accomplishments. He was a good king. He was a good servant of God. He was a mighty warrior who won many battles. The whole world feared David in that time. David was feared. David would be used to pen many of the Psalms Looked at Psalm 1 just a, a little while ago. He was a man who sought after God's heart. But one day when he should have been in battle, he went up on his roof, he looked out, and he saw a woman bathing. And he said, I want her. And we know the story of all the sin that followed. It was a bloody, horrible tale. It was a tale with a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. But David was a failure. He committed adultery. He murdered a man. By the way, David was a failure as a father, for the most part. If you ever study out David and you look at his children, it'll break your heart, as it must have broken the heart of David. David failed. God still loved him, but he failed. We see David in tears as he weeps over Absalom. Oh, Absalom, Absalom. Can I tell you, we have to work at our relationship with God. David didn't become who he was by sloughing off in duty, and yet he did and failed. Many of the Psalms that we read and love, God gave to David to pen while David was out serving, feeding the sheep, watching the sheep, as he would pen those wonderful Psalms. While he was running for his life, as we talked about this morning from King Saul, many of the Psalms that we read, 
were penned maybe from the cave of Abdullam. Maybe as he was camped waiting, hoping that Saul wouldn't show up as he would pen those psalms. David failed. The smartest man ever to live, the wisest man, worldly wisdom, the son of David and Bathsheba after the child who died, the next child that Bathsheba would bear, Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon. But he failed with his walk with God. He married heathen women. And they pulled his heart away from God. His heart was pulled from God by those women that he loved. Can I tell you that David set an example for his son? Your children will always go farther than you go. Parents, you have to be so careful. David went outside of God's will with Bathsheba, but Solomon went so much farther. Solomon was a failure. He married heathen women. He, he wrote 3,000 Proverbs, wisdom. We know the story of the women arguing over the baby. and We know the Bible tells us the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give the half the other and half the other. We know the story how the, the real mother said, no, she can have the baby. I, I don't want you to cut the baby in half. We know that wisdom. We know he was wise. He was a wealthy man. It's been said that probably in today's, today's wealth, he, he was most, no question, a billionaire. Probably worth 10, 20, 30 billion. We're talking about the wealthiest man in the world. But his wives led him astray. Listen to these words in Ecclesiastes 1, and I've got to hurry. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor where he taketh under the sun? Can I tell you that he was a failure? David failed. If we skip ahead into the Bible of the New Testament, we find that there was a group of men who'd followed Jesus. If, if we ask this morning, who, who was the leader? Jesus, of course, led them. But who was the natural leader? Who was the one who seemed to take the charge? It was Peter. Peter, the man who the disciples would look to when Peter said, I go fishing, the other men followed him. Peter was a failure. He failed his walk with Christ. He followed from afar off. Can I tell you the only man that ever lived who wasn't a failure was Jesus Christ. Only Jesus. He had no faults. He had no failures. The Bible says he who knew no sin. Pilate said of Jesus Christ, this is the Pilate's testimony in the criminal trial hearing of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pilate's testimony would have read in court documents as this. 
I find no fault in him. Jesus was perfect. Now I want to circle back, which you turn back to Joshua 1. I brought to light those men. And we could look at hundreds and thousands. We could look at each life here, all of us, and see our failings. But I want us to bring us back to how to have good success. So, Pastor, what's the point? I mean, if these men, <coughs> these good men were failures and, and we're all a failure, what hope do we have? I mean, if you say that I'm not perfect and I, I have, I'm a failure and I'm going to fail in life, why would I even try? The truth is we don't have to remain a failure. We don't have to remain a failure. Joshua 1.8. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my, thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. All of those men except one, except for Cain, would come back after failure to be used powerfully of God. They didn't stay failures. As we look at how to have good success God's way, I want to give you several, a few quick points and we're going to close. Very short but very powerful truths here this morning I want you to get before we dismiss. Number one, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. How do I have good success God's way? By keeping the word of God in your mind in your heart and in your mouth. Its influence should be on our lips always. Psalm 119, 13, with my lips I have declared the judgment of thy mouth. Verse 171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. <coughs> Verse 43, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Verse 113 of Psalm 119, I open my mouth and panting along for thy commandments. Christian, we need to be reading, studying, meditating on, and speaking God's word. How do I have good success? The word of God. Number two, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Not only should God's word be in our mouth, God's word should be in the forefront of our thinking at all times. Psalm 119, 23, princes also did set and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Psalm 119, 148, mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word, thinking about right in the forefront of your mind. How do you have good success? It's not by being a good person. It's not by seeking out, some, it's, we have the answer right here, the word of God. By having it in our mouth, by having it meditate in our heart. But we need to get somewhere else. Number three, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. My dad had a car, a Ford Pinto station wagon. 
we called it affectionately referred to it as the tote goat. And little, it was white, with, had the fake vinyl wood panels. Remember that on the side? It was an ugly car. It was awesome. I'd drive it today, Brother Mott. If I find it, I'd drive one. My wife would be very angry with me, but I, I, I like ugly cars. I don't know. Somebody has to love them. I love them. And I drove that car the last time it was driven in our possession. I got in it. I drove it back on the farm when nobody was home. I got the front tire stuck in the ditch between the edge of the field, and I realized I was stuck, so I did what every, I think I was 13, 13 or 14-year-old kid does. I put it in drive and hammered the gas. Then I put it in reverse and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And just back, forward, reverse, forward, reverse, just spinning the tires that were stuck. Now, what I should have done, I should have gone back to the house, got the tractor, driven the tractor back, hooked up the track, but I wasn't thinking. 13-year-old kids don't think a whole lot. And I sheared the torque converter bolts off. Those are the bolts that connect the flywheel to the torque converter that transfers the power from the crankshaft of the engine to the transmission. So it eventually got to where you could put that thing in gear and you could rev that engine as hard as you wanted to rev that little engine. And it would scream, but nothing would happen with the wheels because there was a disconnect between the engine and the transmission. The engine would spin, the transmission wouldn't spin. Can I tell you, we need to have God's words in our mouth. We need to have them in the forefront of our mind as we meditate on them. And number three here, the Bible says we're to observe to do. We have to put the transmission into gear. We have to not only say it and think it, but God says we need to do what he says. How do I have good success God's way? By doing what God says. By obeying the Lord. Our one main desire and effort should be to fully follow his word. Christian, that's success. Not having a position or title or having wealth or having things. Not being recognized or being popular. Success is fully following and obeying the will of God. And then it says, number four, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. The one main promise we can expect and look for is that when we speak his word, meditate on his word, and do his word, God says that we have God's, God will prosper us. And lastly, in that verse, it says, and then thou shalt have good success. You know why most of us don't find success? God's success, good success, God's way, because we don't recognize it. We don't know what it looks like. I'm going to pick on Brother Ahmad for a minute. He needs somebody to pick on him. Several years ago, I got a phone call from Ahmad. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm, I'm north of Laklabish. He said, I'm sitting watching an animal. And he said, I, I think it's an elk, but I'm not sure. And I said, where are you? When he told me where he was, I knew what he was looking at. I said, Ahmad, that is a caribou. There's a small, very, very, very small herd of caribou in, in that area. And the only place I've ever seen caribou in Alberta, there's some others as well. But 
I said, you are looking at a caribou. That is not an elk. I said, do not shoot that caribou. <laughs> and then I said, by the way, the zone you're in, you can't hunt elk either. Uh, but he's looking at it like I, and he said, I thought, it, I thought, I didn't think it was elk, but he wasn't sure what it was. He's like, what is that? It's got kind of antlers, kind of like an elk. What is it? He didn't recognize it. He wasn't sure what it was. A lot of us, we see success, God's success, and we don't know what it is. Why? Because we've been lied to by the devil. We think good success is what the world says success is. Can I tell you this morning that we all, without Jesus Christ, are, are rank failures and I'm and I'm your I'm the leader of them. <laughs> but we can find good success in his word in our mouth, in our mind, in our actions. When we do that, God says we have good success. I want us this morning, I want you, I want every family here to have good success God's way. Young person, I want you to have good success. God's way. I want you to get in this book and I want you to know it. I want you to speak about it and I want you to obey it so we can have God's success, so we can obey him. By the way, if you're here this morning without the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one way that you can have victory. It's only through Jesus Christ. There is only one way to peace and that's through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. It's not through religion. It's only through Jesus Christ. Would you trust him today, Christian? Would you desire to have good success? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd bless. I pray you'd help us as we seek, as we desire your blessing, your success in our life. Lord, we so often look and we estimate success with a different measuring stick than we should use. Lord, we see success differently than you see success. God, help us to recognize what good success your way is. And Lord, although all of us are failures, just like all the men we looked at this morning, other than you, Lord, man, we realize we can have good success. And the key, the key is your word. God, help us to have your word on our lips. Help us to speak it. Help us to memorize it. Help us to talk about it. Help us to meditate, to have it on the forefront of our mind. And Lord, help us to activate it. Help us to obey it, to observe, to do. Lord, I believe you want all of us to have that good success. I believe you want every man, every woman, every teenager, every young person Lord, I pray that it be the case. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would realize that although the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, although it says there's none righteous, no, not one, although the Bible says the wages of sin is death, although, Lord, it seems so hopeless as we look at our condition without you, God, may they believe and know the truth of the Scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. May they know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. May they know they can have salvation through Christ alone. 
Lord, I pray if there's one here that knows not that they are saved, that they're born again, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, during this time of invitation, this time of decision, Lord, that they would come and let someone share with them how they can find success in their eternity through trusting Christ. Lord, would you work in our hearts today? God, would you be glorified? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? Brother Royce comes and lead us in a song of invitation today. Let's turn to number 489, I Surrender All. And number 489. forget before we're dismissed in prayer. Uh, if you're going to be part of our orchestra Sunday, if you've already signed up or if you haven't signed up yet, you say, Pastor, I'd like to be a part of that. Would you please meet Brother Colton? He'll be coming down in just a moment uh, from the Children's Church. If you'd please meet him up here in the front. He wants to talk to you about that Sunday. Uh, that would be a great help. I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing many of you back today at four o'clock for a service. going to talk about being at ease in Zion tonight. I hope you'll be with us for that for a four o'clock service. Brother Mike, could I ask you to close this in prayer, please, this morning?